Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Jessica Gershom. Jessica is the founder of the Zen Mommy and the voice behind the Mom Slowdown podcast, as well as a passionate believer in the power of self-care. Through her work as a certified yoga instructor, an accomplished home chef, and a dedicated mindfulness practitioner, she has created a holistic program that supports women, especially moms, in giving them the tools to make a satisfying life. Jessica has experienced juggling the demands of a career as a successful commercial real estate developer with the life-changing role of mom. Through the work of the Zen Mommy, she shares her personal story of overcoming disordered eating, redefining her sense of self as a new mother, and finding ways to feed herself first as a foundation for a more joyful and less stressful life. In this episode, Jessica and I discuss how we can have it all and feel incredible as moms. She gives us a variety of strategies to find more Zen in our day and reminds us that feeling good is the ultimate goal and what we should lead with when deciding what type of exercise we should do for the day or the food we put in our bodies. We also discuss creating more precious me time, even when our calendar doesn't have an inch of space on it. Jessica has an honest and authentic approach to her guidance that sucks you in with everything she says. She shows us how slowing down ironically speeds up the time it takes you to reach your goals. So if you're ready to make the distinction between your identity as a woman and your identity as a parent and add more Zen to your life, join us for this soul satisfying conversation. Better yet, take this one on a walk and get in some of that Zen mommy time. Jessica, welcome to the show. I've been really looking forward to this episode as a new mom myself and definitely feeling overwhelmed at times. I'm starting to feel like I have the hang of it, but then something new happens. So I do need a little Zen mommy in my life. Yeah. Well, welcome to the mom club. Uh, And I think what you're feeling right now is will last through the rest of motherhood. You just, when you feel like you've got it all under control, you're doing it, you know, the kids are are falling in line, you know, there's a wrench that will be thrown in the system. So. Oh yeah. Every person (laughs) I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, it's so great right now when they're little. And they're like, don't worry as they get older, there's way more responsibilities and it gets harder. I'm like, it's hard hard right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard in a different way. It's hard on you physically. And, and, you know, that taxing piece of just sleep and schedule and they need you all the time. And then it gets hard spiritually and emotionally and all kinds of metaphysically when they become teenager, teenagers and go on about their life. So, yeah, that's what it's funny. You say that I was just talking to a good friend, Carrie Glassman, who we've had on the show and she has a 15 year old daughter and she's like, I just take on their emotions. Like it's this whole other, I'm constantly worrying for them because I know what's going on in their life. And she's like, it's just a whole other stage. So we'll see, you know, looking forward to that, but I am happy in the six month zone right now, but I'd love Jessica for you to just tell our listeners how you got to where you are and how you, and why you started the Zen mommy. I want to say like, I mean, obviously you have your app and things, but it's really this community and this community of moms and helping them. I think really it was a lot of suffering of being in a place of not really 
um, knowing how to be my best self. And I was a type A perfectionist in my 20s. And I started my career at 19. And I was going to be like, I'm going to be the first female CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And I'm, you know, I'm going to do all the things. Uh, and I'm very open to talk about suffering from eating disorders and how isolating and really what a lonely period of, of time in my life. And when I had my first daughter, it was, it was like go time. It was a level of pressure and in a good way. Uh, I think she gave me strength that I didn't have before in my life to make changes and to really start to do some self-reflection uh, and introspection. And I've, I'm a big firm believer in, in mental health support. And I had gone to you know, traditional talk therapy for a lot of years, but I stumbled into a yoga class about about where you are, about six months after she was born. And it's the saying of like, the teacher will arrive when the student is ready. And I had tried yoga in the past and it was like the way too granola for me. And I'm like, oh, this is boring. You know, I want to do kickboxing or hit workouts or something, you know, it wasn't hard enough for me. Uh, but I walked into this yoga studio and it was just the most magical experience I've ever had. That first moment of just kind of lying in a pool of my sweat. Of course, it was like hot vinyasa and they played Eminem and rap music. And so, you know, I love that part of it. But I remember laying there and for the first time in my adult life, I felt like whatever was going on, I could handle it. It wasn't as big or um, intense as I thought it was. I and mean, for the next probably two years, I built up a yoga practice and went to start, I mean, I started going almost every day. And I would be in a fight with my husband or having some issue. And on my way home from the studio, I'd be calling people to apologize and be like, I see it a totally different way. And, you know, it's really not that big of a deal, or I'm really sorry that I said that. And it just started to change me physically. It changed me, but emotionally. Uh, and so the gift of yoga is really what started me on the transformation. That's been about 13 years now. Uh, it led me to a path of just joining teacher training, never with the attention to teach yoga, just wanting to understand it more for myself. And I think a lot of people go into that, um, whether they find themselves in teacher training after a loss or a, a major life event or something, or uh, they're just searching for something and not really knowing what they're looking for. And uh, I was called to teach and then since opened a studio in my house and then COVID hit and I had an opportunity to really share this information on a, on a broader scale. When I had a studio in my home, I saw one-on-one -on -one clients. I only have so many hours in the day. Uh, but this was something to be able to share what has made such a difference in my life and really just the philosophies of slowing down uh, and meditation and breath and yoga as really this catalyst for change, this catalyst for joy. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm, I, you know, I'm curious and I keep thinking about it as you're saying all this. I have a lot of clients who are very scared, you know, they hit the right, their six week mark when they're cleared to work out again. And they're definitely not ready to, but they're like, I have to go back to the hit workout. I have to go back to the high intensity workout because that's the only way to quote unquote, get my body back. Right. Which we hate that language. And how, I'm just curious how being that type A person who was going to those classes, how did you, you know, what was like your thought 
process and talk, you know, self-talk that it was okay to go to these yoga classes instead, because that's, that's a big transition. Yeah. It's interesting. There's two things uh, that I want to say. Number one, I think we have to reframe this, uh, this idea of what postpartum looks like (laughs) and give each other a lot more space and grace. I mean, we grew life and then gave birth to life. And, you know, I was the biggest offender of wanting to get my body back and, you know, I'm not going to take any time. And if you ask, ask any postnatal specialist or women health specialist, the biggest thing is like relearning how to breathe diaphragmatically. Like that's why we start like at six weeks, you should just kind of be re-understanding this new body because you're forever changed. Uh, the monkey mind is interesting because as someone, like I said, who had eating disorders that chatters really loud sometimes. And I always have said, does yoga change your body or does it change the way that you look at your body? Which is an interesting thing to think about because our perception that what we take in the information is our reality. And it's anyone who's gotten up and one day looked in the mirror and like, man, I am banging this body thing. I look so thin. I look great. I look amazing fit and tone. And the next day they can wake up and be like, oh my God, what's happened? (laughs) My ass is hanging halfway down my leg. This is terrible. Nothing's changed, you know, in 24, 36 or 48 hours, but the way that we see it has changed. And so it wasn't necessarily that I had to kind of talk myself into this slower practice. It just, I felt so good. And for the first time in my life, I felt good in my body. And if anybody who has body dysmorphia or disordered eating know that that is a really tough place to get to, to aspire to be, uh, and to create a healthy relationship with food. And I just kept going back because at the end of those classes, everything in my being says, yes, do more of that. I felt good about myself, about the world, about humanity. I felt good physically. And so it was like this, this great hit of dopamine. And I just kept going back and being like, I need more of this. Every ounce of like every cell in my body was like, please do more of this. Yeah, no. And I love what you said too, Jessica, about like, we so often forget it's all about feeling good, whether we're eating, exercising, I mean, doing anything in life, right? We just want to feel good, feel joyful, but it gets so lost in the mix. It's usually about what am I going to gain from this, right? Like the HIIT workout. I mean, and some people love HIIT workout and it's joyful for them. That's great. Not, not trying to throw HIIT workouts under the bus, but a lot of people are doing them because they want some type of end result, but the end result isn't feeling good the end result is, oh, I want, you know, my arms to be toner, my waist to be thinner. And that's something I always try to ask people is, well, does that make you feel good? How do you feel after? Because what's the, you know, who cares about having toned arms, you know, right? Like tight legs and a small waist when you're not actually feeling good or you're not feeling aligned, like how you felt during yoga. It is this proverbial carrot, right? It'll be the next thing. We're always going to chase it. If you think you have toned arms and then your butt is flabby or whatever it's going to be, there will always be something because we are in a culture that wants perfection. Perfection is unattainable because that's like the, the trick that the mind gets to play. The minute you get somewhere, they're like, oh no, wait, 
it's over here. You're like, oh, foiled again. Uh, and so it's interesting because we're we're also really comfortable with the doing part of like really being busy, task oriented. We wear this badge of like, oh yeah, I, I rocked four hours of sleep and I was able to run six miles and I took went to all my kids' soccer games and carpool and I, I nailed that presentation and I'm exhausted at the end of the day, right? And, and that's how we are as moms. We're like, proud of that in some way. But when we ask moms to slow down and start to get in touch with how they feel or check in with their emotions or even stop and feel their physical body, that's like uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we're not used to that, but it's our feminine energy. That's our soft side. That's our being side. So each of us have that side. Uh, It's just the one that we've not been bred into. That's not as comfortable. So how can we, like, what would be your top tips for how can we start to slow down as moms? And just for any, for someone listening now, that's like, oh, I want this. Like, this sounds amazing. Where do they start? I think the biggest thing is intentionality and really making the choice. So it's not having the time it's, it's making the time or making the intention. Uh, If you're a journaler, That's a great place to start. If you're uh, into nature, being just a quiet walk outside, not, you know, on your cell phone and listening to your latest episode of this podcast, Um, but just taking a few moments. I mean, it can be unique to everyone. I think everybody listening has to find kind of their sweet spot. For me, I was a movement junkie, so it was really a, a fun uh, easier transition to to go into a movement practice that was that allowed me to get in touch with my body. Uh, I fought my meditation practice, and still, it's like the last thing that I'm like, because oh, it's hard for me. We don't like to do the things that are hard for us. We like to do the things that we're good at. But I think starting with whatever this slowing down piece is it journaling? Is it sitting quietly for five minutes in meditation? Is it breath work? Is it walking in nature? Is it yoga? Tai Chi? What of these kind of practices? are reasonable for you to put in that, that do bring you joy. Cause something you can find that brings you joy. Maybe it's even dancing and listening to classical music. I mean, there's so many wonderful outlets. Um, I think that's a, the first step And the other piece is intentionality. If you really want to start making some changes in your life, I will let you know firsthand experience. It is not easy, but it is so worth it getting in that path and to just start to check in my husband went through a pretty large transformation when he turned 50 and it was kind of a make or break moment for him. And this is a man who never checked in with emotions ever. Didn't really know how to do that. Just kind of went on throughout his day. And he literally would have a piece of paper that he carried around with him with smiley faces, happy, sad, frustrated, angry, joyful. And he would set timers on his phone. I'm going to check in at 10, 15 a.m., and 1.15 PM or whatever that is, uh, and just checked in, wrote a little note into cell phone. It is little things that we start to reframe and get in touch with ourselves. So if you were kind of like him and you're like, whoa, I haven't done this ever, maybe that's a good place to start. If you're a little further along on the path and you may be choosing meditation practice or breath or a nature walk or those kind of things. I'm curious, how does community play a part? because I, I, I'm kind of torn with this. I love myself, like my me time and my time to journal and, you know, think things through, 
But then I also know like a really good conversation with a girlfriend or family member to just let things out is also really therapeutic and still feels like that me time or getting to a better place of clarity and just, yeah, feeling calmer and better overall. I think we all learned, even if we, like I'm a closeted introvert, I think we learned over the last two years that we desperately need human connection. It's vital to our existence, to our our joyfulness, to our happiness. Uh, And that looks like a lot of different things. Um, But like we tell our kids, especially teenagers, like you are who you hang out with. (laughs) If you take a look around at your friend circle and you're like, man, Betsy's kind of negative. And Julie over here, you know, is a pessimist and she never has anything nice to say. And Sandy's talking shit about everybody over here. You know, that's not going to be a really loving, supportive community that's going to help lift you up. And there's the wonderful thing about aging. There's less wonderful things about aging, but the wonderful thing is that you really kind of cut the fat out of, of kind of extra relationships and what you keep hold near and dear to your heart are the people that really do lift you up, that really do bring you joy, that push you to be a better person, that are your mirror, that will call you on your stuff when you're not showing up. And, you know, those are really great people to have in your life and really great people to keep in what I call like your inner onion, um, your deepest kind of circle. Uh, And yeah, I mean, calling my best girlfriend is definitely therapeutic for me because we get filled up in all kinds of different ways. And we can't look to our spouse and be like, wait, you're going to be the only person that's going to fill me up or our children or our career or other outlets. And so taking from these little amazing relationships in your life as part of prioritizing yourself and filling your cup along with me time and whatever that looks like to you. And self-care gets thrown around in this kind of like uh, bubble bath, face mask, to-do list pressure thing that isn't the intention. It's really just how do you fill yourself up? Because we all get depleted. We all run out of resources. We're all there. But how do you find joy? How do you become whole? You know, how do you fill yourself up or fill your bucket? And if someone's looking at their their typical calendar day and they're like, I can't find an inch in here, right? They have multiple kids. They're driving to different practices. They're, you know, they're working as well. How can they create that precious me time that we all want. And if they're right, they have that intentionality and they have that intention there. What are some good tips to help them create that me time when their calendar looks like there's not even an inch of space? I would look at the calendar, not on a daily basis, but on a weekly or monthly basis, because every day is going to look different. And I always say that balance is on a continuum. Some days are going to be heavy in the workspace and you're going to have different uh, expectations that are going to be required of you. Some days are going to be heavy in the mom space and you're going to have running from carpools or soccer games or whatever that it is. So it's looking at this kind of overall life plan and picking time, making time, creating time for you in those moments. And movement isn't going to be all or nothing. So it's not like I'm going to get a 60 minute uh, work out at the gym or a three mile run or nothing. Maybe that's just five minutes of stretching because you have one hellacious day and you're booked from meeting to meeting. And then you go into kid stuff and then you drop, you know, at the end of the day. So maybe that's taking five minutes 
walking outside, getting some fresh air, recalibrating yourself, doing some gentle stretches, you know what? And the next day I'm going to do 30 minutes or I have time for more. And so as women, we're very much like pass fail. We do that with food, with our relationships, with, with movement. And so if we give ourselves the grace to know that it's on a continuum and nothing is forever, not every day of your life is going to be like, boom, 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 from the second you wake up. Um, because that is not sustainable uh, and everything's different. And so be able to allow whatever time to kind of go with that flow, know that it will ebb and you'll have more time for you in certain moments and know that it will flow and you'll have less time. And that's just the way it is. And Kate, like you're in that time with like a six month old, that is intense physical presence, you mom time, right? But my kids are now 13 and nine and my bonus kids are 20 and 18, they're inching toward that need, needing less of me. I mean, last night I got to work until like six o'clock because someone was at theater and the other one was at School of Rock. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. No one even needs me right now. So it's not forever. Yeah. And I think it's finding, like, I've always been a big proponent of being very flexible in terms of your schedule. So like we were saying, you know, some days it can be jam-packed, but we also know there are some days where, something falls off your calendar, like a meeting's taken off or things can change in a positive way, giving you more time, but you want to be prepared for that time. So I'll even have like, if I just know like, all right, I got to stretch at least twice this week or foam roll because, you know, my body just needs it. It's more like a floating one. (laughs) So it's whatever day I can get it in. Um, but I found even like being in this you know, the six month time and up until now, like, yes, he needs lots of attention, but also recognizing like, I don't need to constantly play with him when he's right in front of me. So one thing I've been doing with Connor in the morning that I love is after he feeds, I put him on his little play mat. I'm right there next to him (laughs) because he does like that. And I turn on like a new stretching video on YouTube. And while he's sitting there, I do 15, 20 minutes of stretching and my entire day is changed. Or sometimes my husband and I will go for a walk right after he feeds because there's really nothing I need to do between 7.30 and 8 a.m. <laughs> and that's there's a lot of things you could do. Exactly. And right. that's like, I will say that's one thing is you know, sleep has been very up and down since he's born. And, and it's, um, it's something I valued so much before and value now because he's sleeping well to be able to still wake up early and feel refreshed because that's where I find that's the time I can journal. That's the time I can go for a walk. That's the time I can do things. And my husband, I will rotate because he likes to do those things just as much but I've always found that's a great place to create me time. Obviously I will know it doesn't happen every day. If he's waking up in the middle of the night, am I going to want to get up at five 30? Nope. And does my, you know, should I do that to my body? Probably not. But if I can be in bed by nine o'clock, which we normally are nine to five is eight hours of sleep. And that's sometimes how I talk myself into it. Cause some people say like, well, I just, that number, like wake up at five o'clock, wake up at five 30, even six o'clock if you just go to bed a little bit earlier, think of it more as like, I got my eight hours or, you know, even we're really supposed to have seven to nine hours. So even if it's, I got my seven hours of sleep or sometimes it's nine, 
I found that's like an easy way to talk myself into being okay to wake up early, but then I just get this whole chunk of time where nobody needs me occasionally. And it doesn't affect my calendar day. My calendar hasn't even started. And that's magical. It's finding these little things that are going to be different, you know, for everyone, but it's carving out these moments. And I mean, I could see your face light up. You're like, that feels really good. Like I want to do more of that. You know, that was that feeling in yoga. I'm like, yes, do more of that. Like when you can start your day with some yoga or you have to check out my myofascial release classes, cause I'm a super big fan of trigger point release and have a whole library of that because my body needs it too, or I don't function well, but starting your day in that way or getting fresh air and getting a walk, like it sets you up, you know, for such a, a more present day, a more joyful day. You're not bitter and resentful or trying to manipulate things because you just feel stuck because when we're not moving our body, we feel stuck. We feel lethargic. You know, we need to move that energy. It definitely changes the mindset. And I'm glad you said resentfulness because obviously (laughs) having a new child, you don't want to feel resentful ever, but my mindset definitely changes from the, I, you know, I get to versus I have to. So if I don't get that me, a little bit of me time in the morning, it's like, okay, I have to go to the, uh, you know, I have to do this. Then once I put him down, I have to get this work done. And then when the, and it's just this kind of battle all day long versus, oh, like I get to, you know, I, now I have the opportunity. I already did my me time stuff. Now I get the opportunity to wa- work on that project I've been working on. And, oh, I get, you know, a little bit of time to play with him and it just, it changes my mindset so much. Um, and one thing, you know, I've been missing and I wanted to talk to you about was it, I'm getting back to it now, but I love cooking and having a newborn. My husband pretty much did all the cooking because there just was no time now, you know, we're rotating and getting back to it, but I'm curious. And for moms who don't really enjoy cooking, how can they bring more Zen and joyfulness to the kitchen? Because I know Jessica, you, it seems like you love being in the kitchen and it seems very therapeutic for you. And I do always feel for, you know, clients and moms and women in general that are like, I really just hate cooking or I hate being in the kitchen. And I feel like it's just because they're not like maybe surrendering themselves or trying to find that joy in it or the creativity rather like, you know, following a rigid recipe. And, um, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Well, and that's why I wanted to include cooking. Uh, it's such a passion for mine. It's something that, I mean, we all have to eat. Uh, and I went to culinary school just for fun after Eva, before I had Isla, uh, and I was actually pregnant in my culinary school outfit. That was a really funny picture. I had to like sl- snip the sides of the really unattractive black and white pants that we had to wear. Uh, but it's this idea. And what I wanted to teach was like foundational cooking. How do you hold a knife? How do you cut? How do you grill? How do you uh, make soups? And, so- you know, these things that were kind of basic with this idea that a lot of people don't like cooking because they're not good at it. And people don't like their food. And it's like, why am I going to spend all this time frustration and I'm just going to serve something and, you know, three out of the four kids won't eat it. Your husband's ordering your pizza. You know, I mean, that happens. Uh, But we're usually tasked, not all the time, but a lot of the times the moms are tasked with this kind of 
task of, of having to make family dinners or cook for the family in some way. And so I wanted to create a space for women to feel better in the kitchen, to feel more confident because this idea, when you're good at something, you will enjoy it more. I mean, if we go back and remember when we were like little kids and your parents wanted you to try a new sport, but you, you didn't want to try stuff that you weren't good at. But if you went out and, you know, could kick a soccer ball at, at recess with your friends and were good at that, you might be willing to, to make the commitment into trying something new. And adults are just like kids. I mean, we have that, you know, beginner's mindset and it's important as a teacher to kind of remember that and try new things and go back to be a beginner and learn something new because it is kind of scary and, and you're really navigating new experiences. And so with the cooking piece, I wanted to offer recipes that are family approved. I mean, we have a pretty varied palette here. I've got one picky eater that, you know, was a cheesitarian before we found out she was lactose intolerant and, you know, another one that's gluten-free and, you know, I try to be vegan, you know, half the time and, you know, we're all over the place, but, um, I really wanted to offer that piece too, because I think it's such a foundational piece. And I really believe uh, in how we nourish our bodies and it is a direct impact on how we feel, um, how we show up in the world. Uh, if we're, if we're constantly putting in those, those processed foods and fast snacks and sugars and, and that are really typical in the American diet, it comes out in the way we feel and the way we interact with other people and um, the way we feel about ourselves, uh, the way we feel physically and emotionally. Uh, and so it's important to, to eat whole foods and get the families involved. And dinner has always been such a special time at our house. It's like a sacred time and it's not the same time every day. And it looks kind of different depending on where the kids are. Um, but I think it's such a important moment in, in a family's kind of timeline that a lot of really good can be done, a little mindfulness and sharing and connection uh, that we don't get when we're running from place to place. It's that reflection time. And I think it does such a great job. I, I'm curious if you've seen it in your kids, Jessica, but like, I mean, we're not taught in like middle school or high school to be mindful. I mean, maybe now, hopefully now a little better be mindful. Yeah. But to be mindful or like they have so much going on, you know, in middle school, high school, college, it's tough to find that time. And I think creating like we, you know, we, my husband, and I even do it now. It's like dinner time. Sometimes I'm the one who's like still trying to answer an email and he's like, can you put your phone down? But it starts to instill that time to be a little mindful for them. Because everybody wants to be like heard and seen and, mm -hmm. you know, and asked about their day, or even if it's like my nine-year-old doesn't usually want to share, but last night she pulled out the conversation starters and I was like, okay, are you going to answer this question first? You don't get to just ask everybody. Like you have to share something, you know, you, this was your idea. Um, but everybody wants to feel connected and heard. And, you know, I at having four kids and a business and everything going on. I mean, it's really easy to go throughout the whole day and not really connect with my husband, my children, not really know what's going on in their life. Uh, and I think it's such a, a really special time. I hope all my kids will look back uh, and, and, think that it was important to them, that they got something out of it, that they felt heard or that it was a place, you know, every now and then my 13 year old will drop like some major emotional bomb at the dinner table. I'm like, holy moly, like, I'm so glad I'm present for this. Like, this is a major and, you know, I've created space for her to share um, some pretty intense things that were going on that wouldn't happen if we were just running from place to place or grabbing dinner in the car or, you know, or eating in front of the TV, which doesn't really 
encourage any conversation uh, or on our phones, right? When you're out and everybody's on their phone, nobody's talking to each other. It's such a great time to connect and double back to what we said at the beginning. Like we all want human connection. We all want to feel seen and heard. Yeah. It goes back to how, what's going to make you feel good. How do you want to feel? And having, you know, that set time to connect, it's just another opportunity to feel good in yourself. And that goes back to talking about like eating processed foods and ordering out a lot, which yes, it is convenient at times, right? And if we're talking convenience, yes, it's convenient, but do you feel good after it? I mean, I know for me, when Connor was first born and we were using, which family and friends are so great, they're sending us Grubhub gift cards. And, and it was great because we needed the help. Um, but oh my gosh, like as much as I loved it for the convenience factor, I hated it because I didn't feel good. Like I just, I felt out of myself in a way. And like, this is not, this can't continue. And so I think for anyone listening, that's really in that cycle of consistently ordering out and most likely because they're not confident in the kitchen or they're like, it's just convenient, convenient, really check in with yourself of how are you feeling after that meal? Because I guarantee if you're doing like, you know, pizza Fridays once a week, you're going to feel so much better after that pizza Friday than if you're ordering out multiple times a week. And it does, it feels good to, you know, create meals for your family. And, and if you're just one person for yourself, um, we've just started Connor on foods. And like, I realized I, oh my gosh, Jessica, I had this, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be one more thing for me to do. I'm going to have to start making him foods, making myself food. And like, I was just panicking internally, but one day he literally just dove for my plate. So I was like, I guess you're ready. And it's been so fun. Like, I don't know what I was concerned about. I've been loving making him food and I love watching him eat it. It just brings me like so much joy. Um, so also for anyone listening, that's trying to get over a hump of it, the grass may be greener on the other side for you as well, but it's, uh, it's just been so much fun. And, and you, again, just at the end of the day, you just feel better when you're eating food that you made and where, you know, where it came from as well. But taking a cue from your son, like he is so present, right? Trying all of these things and you're feeding off of his presence and joy and curiosity. And that's, what's so exciting you know, and, and that's what's so, it's so incredible about kids and how open and really just these open vessels. And we get kind of hardened and shut off. And, you know, as we become adults and life experiences happen, but we can learn so much from our kiddos as early as like infants and what they see and how they take in the world is like getting back to that, getting back to being curious, to being playful, uh, to to being joyful, to have new yeah. experiences. Like all of that is like such a great inspiration to drive from and be like, look at how he tackled that salmon. And then you can start to throw in like spices and likes and don't like all of a sudden he's creating and building this like preference profile, you know, and being like a little explorer. It's amazing. We can learn so much from our kids because they really truly are, uh, you know, in a position to be way more open than, than we are. Yeah. And it, it, reminds me too, that we were once that way. Like we were all babies at one point, we were all that impressionable too. And so it's really interesting. Um, but I wanted to change gears a little bit. There's 
a quote you have on your website that I would love to dive in a little bit more because I do know we have our type A listeners that are like, okay, but if I like take the time to go for a walk outside, that's like 10 emails I could have responded to. Um, you know, maybe people listening are building a business and they're worried that their time is just so precious. So you say to slow down, to ironically speed up in reaching your goals. So by slowing down, you actually sped up reaching your goals. And I'm curious just if you can talk a little bit more about that. So, you know, I did this kind of talk on mindfulness and productivity for a company and, I talked about like how much time we really waste, whether we're stuck in TikTok hell, we're scrolling our phone, we're stuck in our heads and ruminating on thoughts on our to-do list or analyzing a conversation or a meeting that happened or worrying about something. And when we start to slow down and become present, and it's like, if you take five minutes at the beginning of your workday, and it's hard because I do it and it's sitting in front of my computer and everything in my being is like, calling me to open it up and do my emails and get into all the to-dos. But I find myself like I, I sit, I feel my feet, I feel, you know, grounded in the chair. You know, I feel the, the texture of my clothes against my skin. I track my breath for a few minutes and all of a sudden I come in the present moment. And if we really like dialed in, like people have you dial in, like, what do you really eat in a day? And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I ate 32 snacks that, you know, I didn't notice because we do things so mindlessly and auto on, we're on autopilot all the time. And so the art really is, is kind of dialing in and honing our skills so that we're not floundering or wasting time, or, you know, we're supposed to be doing something at work, but we're stuck on a fight that we had with our spouse in the morning and we're not really being productive at all. And so being able to have the skill set to just dial it back in to access the present moment that allows us to be productive in whatever task that we're doing, because we're really mindful and mindfulness is just being present without judgment. And we can do that in business. We can do that with our children. I mean, how many times as a parent, we're like spending time with our kids, but we're on our phones and they're doing something else. We're just kind of sharing oxygen in the space versus like, I'm going to take five, 10, 15 minutes and be really intentional about this experience, whether we go for a walk or we have a conversation or I'm just watching you play and commenting on your play because that's so helpful for when they're little uh, and then go on about my day. And we just, yeah. we have, it's, it's a reframe and it is scary. It is really scary. The idea of like, oh my gosh, if I slow down, everything is going to fall apart. And so there is this kind of retraining of the brain that happens and with that, like meditation, scientifically, uh, mindfulness, yoga, all of these things where we can retrain our brain that reacts on autopilot. Like we, we're meant to be in fight or flight. We're meant to react, you know, with, with high stress and intensity. And so it's those kind of little skills that really can allow us to filter out the clutter that's in our mind that we kind of live in all the time and really get dialed in to the task at hand, whether it's playing with your kids, your business meeting, your work, whatever it is that you're doing, but really being focused and centered because we can leave all of that mental chatter aside. Yeah, no, definitely. I find like those mornings where I'm getting that me time or doing a quick five minute meditation, it does, it just brings more clarity, but it also, oh my gosh, Jessica taps into my creativity. 
So there'll be like projects I've been, you know, that are like in the back of my head for a while, but I'm like, it's still not right. Like it's missing something. I'm not sure creatively how, you know, what direction I want to go with it. And those are the times that thought comes or that idea comes. And I do find, you know, I don't know, we're just such in a society of like, the more you work, I mean, people brag, like you were saying, even like moms are so proud of like doing so many things and people brag about like how many hours they worked or like, Oh, I'm so busy. And it's like the days that I'm really busy and don't get any time to myself are probably my worst days creatively. And I don't actually progress in getting things done that matter. It's more like robotic. We are floundering a little Mm -hmm. bit, right? We're just kind of putting out the next fire. We're not really being able to think about it intellectually with our executive functioning and dial in and really problem solve or be creative because we're just kind of in that fight or flight, putting out fires. You know, we're all over, all over the place. It's like, wouldn't we all love instead of having five meetings about, or five phone calls with the family member, let's say you're planning a party about what you should do or what should be done that opportunity to slow down and, you know, whether it's journaling, we've been talking about or doing a mindfulness practice or even yoga, that's where you could have it all figured out in one phone call, one meeting. And that does save you time. But I know that's, it's just such a hard concept for people. And I get it. Yeah. I mean, there's an efficiency in that, right. Mm -hmm. Of being able to collect your own thoughts But it is. I mean, I think I'm out here with this platform, the podcast and the app, and I'm just trying to like shout it from the rooftops, like, wait a minute, there is a better way. You can have a more present and joyful life. Is it easy? No. Does it take effort? Yes. And there's some retraining and there's some learning curves. It's just like trying something new in the kitchen or, you know, going out for a promotion or whatever it is that, that interests you, you know, there's going to be some uncomfortability in that, some feelings that are like, you know, a little tingly, a little, little scary, but it's worth it. Anything that's worth anything is going to be, have its ups and downs. Completely. And, um, (laughs) wasn't stalking your website, Jessica, but there was, there were so many good, like little quotes that I just was so drawn to. And one I was really drawn to is you just said, you know, your identity as a woman and as a parent and how they can, you know, they can be separate but they're also, obviously they come together and it's something I really struggled with. Honestly, until I started working again, working had me feel like, Oh, myself again. And it was my own time. And I just felt like alive again. I felt human, which is so awful to say, because I love my son so much, but I was floundering in those first couple of months. I just felt like my life wasn't my own anymore. And it made me think about women, which I work from home, but women that are stay-at-home moms. And I know for me, I give them all the props because I wouldn't be able to do it, but mainly for that reason of there was no difference of identity in terms of being a parent and being a woman. It was just all mixed together. And I suffered in that. And I'm curious, just your thoughts and any tips and tools you have to help women find their own identity as a parent? It's so interesting. Like everything in society basically is there to tell us that like, when you become a mother, you don't matter anymore. 
So you were like this whole person that had likes and interests and hobbies and a career and, you know, all of these things. And then you had a child and then it was like, all of a sudden, none of those things mattered anymore. And you just had to focus on this new person and you were a mom and that was it. Uh, And it's, it's really kind of retraining society that we can have both our identity as a mother, as a working professional, as a stay-at-home mom, and then also like who we are as a person, what our values are, what is important to us that is outside of all of these external labels, like your job, your career, your titles, what you have, don't have. Um, And getting back in touch with those takes some slowing down because you are changed when you become a mom. You know, things that you didn't know mattered to you, all of a sudden matter, you take less risk. You know, if all of a sudden you, you're, you care about the world in a different way because you're raising a human that's going to grow up and, and that's your generation. I mean, there's all these things that change as we step into this role of motherhood, but it's also reclaiming that little piece of identity for yourself. Like you're still in there. You're not gone. That person that was before is changed. And that's like yoga teaches us we're not the body and we're not the mind because anything that's constantly fluctuating, like as we know, the body does, and we definitely know the mind does, it's not real. And so when we look at that, it's like all temporary, right? Nothing lasts forever. It's always constantly changing. And so the real part in each of us is that like that soul identity, that energy that really is forever unchanged that will kind of continue on. And it's kind of getting back in touch with the source. And like they say, meditation is is a practice for that. Yoga is a practice of just kind of getting back in touch to your inner guiding goodness, your light, your God, whatever you're into that you want to call it. Um, And that's kind of where your identity is. And holding on to that, all of these external things don't matter. Is it hard? Is it like, I remember being a working career woman and then I had a baby and then I stayed home and I struggled. I was like, who am I? You know, I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't want to introduce myself as I'm I'm just a mom. You know, I really struggled with that because all of these things that I thought made up who I was didn't exist anymore. So the reality is I wasn't really any of those things because I'm still here, even though the job was gone and the title was gone and the career. I mean, I'm still standing here. So that in turn tells you that that's not really who you are. Um, And then continuing to get back in touch with that the real part of you and that will forever continue to change. And so we, as, as we grow and evolve and um, in our path and in our journey, we continue to check back in. I mean, that's that checking back in piece of like, what's going on in there? Who is that person inside? No, that's such a great, I love how you put it. Like the job and everything's gone, but we, so much of us, we we identify with all of those things as who we are, but clearly you're not. Oh, that's right. great, Jessica. So I'm curious, I want to just, you know, quickly touch on how can your app support this journey for women? I mean, I'm curious too. I'm like ready to download it now, but um, can you just tell us a little bit more about the app? Yeah. Like I just wanted to offer, you know, again, we talk about beginner's mindset and I've been a beginner yoga student or and a newbie in the kitchen, like that stuff's scary. And so it's nice to be able to 
have access to, you know, intro yoga classes. Like most of my classes on the app are less than 30 minutes. So, you know, reasonable time, there can be 10, 15 minutes, quick snippets that are manageable for moms that we can carve that time out. Uh, you know, when you take it, the drive time it takes to a yoga studio to sit through a class, the drive time it takes home, sometimes it's not reasonable. And who wants to be the new person in the back of a yoga class when a teacher's talking out a bunch of Sanskrit words and you're just kind of looking around and you don't know what's going on and you feel more like a failure than you did when you walked in. Like that's not the experience I want you to have. And so there's something that's been joyful about being able to try things from the comfort of our home. And it's a really safe space there. Um, And so when I wanted to access the app, I wanted to offer those types of classes. And it's all about giving back to the body. The classes are all all levels class. Uh, I have myofascial release, which is a technique that's trigger point release, which I have found that coupled with yoga is like a game changer for the body. And we continue to ask so much from our body, right? To sit and stand and carry our babies and do all of these things and, you know, run three miles when we haven't done anything all winter, right? We're continuing to ask of our body, um, but we don't often give back. And so those are really great tools. And then the meditations are all are mostly almost all under 10 minutes. So more reasonable little bite-sized chunks. You know, I have a series of learn to meditate in seven days or all 10 minutes, you know, that give you tools so that you can start to feel comfortable in this practice. That's like kind of different and ethereal. And it's like, am I doing this right? You know, that was my big thing. It was like, I felt like a failure at meditation. It was like, am I doing this right? And the minute I thought I was meditating, I'm like, oh, well, I can't be meditating because I'm thinking. But the reality is, you can't pass fail meditation. It's just being right. So I get to take all of those kind of um, growing pains that I went through and lay those out and give people space. And then breath work, which I think is just handy dandy tool that, you know, we're all breathing, we're all alive. It's accessible and free to all. Um, And then the cooking piece, which I think is a lot of fun. So I'm always uploading new recipes um, that are always family tested and approved and lots (laughs) of fun um, and allergy friendly. So most of them are gluten, dairy, and refined sugar free. So that's a big inflammatory um, ingredients at our house that we try to avoid. So. Oh, I love that. Well, I will be downloading it today because I mean, it just those are all the things and all the tools that I agree and feel that you need to slow down, but it's not too many because when there's too many things, right. Or an app has, here's 20 different categories that you can choose from. It's overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but if you can start with one, like maybe you have it down in the kitchen and you love being in the kitchen. It's like, well then maybe just take on meditation or take on like those. And I'm so glad Jessica, you're like all my yoga classes are less than 30 minutes because I honestly won't even look at a workout or anything anymore. If it is past 30 minutes, it's just not even an option. Um, but I'm curious before we wrap up, do you personally have any daily health and wellness non-negotiables that are part of your routine and that you love? I'm a movement junkie. So I schedule that in first thing for me. And I love to try all kinds of things. I've got a Peloton tread that I jump on. I play tennis. Um, That's a really fun outlet for me. So movement is always non-negotiable before I sit down. So I always like to carve that out. Uh, And then for me, I mean, it's really like the things I'm offering. I, I think 
planning food uh, has been really helpful on Sundays. And I start to look at my schedule. I'm like, oh man, Tuesday looks a little crazy. <laughs> Nobody's getting home until seven o'clock. What does that look like? Well, I might have a little break in the day on Monday that I can prepare some lentil soup and have that done. You know, so I, it does take planning. And I kind of look at my weekly time and you know, negotiate a little bit with my husband and on who's doing what and call and help and they ask for help. You know, getting a driver, asking for grandma to help pick up, you know, when you've got a lot going on, because the reality is we can't do it alone. Uh, and, and we need our tribe, like we said, that community of people that love us and surround us that are that are willing to offer and help. Um, so for me, planning that out to make sure that I have um, food accessible when I have a crazy day, I know that I've got, you know, some chicken I threw in the crock pot with some sriracha and ghee and that's ready to go. Uh, and I, you know, I have stuff to make a smoothie every day. That's, that's always there. So planning to set yourself up for success. I think those are probably the biggest tips that have been helpful for me. Love it. Well, we always end our podcast with a little rapid fire Q and a, so just first thing that comes to mind, coffee or tea, Coffee. uh, do you take it? How do you take it? Just black or just got this new Jura coffee machine. This Italian coffee machine. So I get to press a button in the morning. I get this like Americano. It's amazing. And then I've got coffee from Yemen. Apparently coffee uh, was first discovered in Yemen. And that is like the first place in the world. So my dad, who is a sommelier and a foodie, and he's out in California, he's like, well, you got to get this coffee. So it was on like the Today Show. So of course I got my Yemen coffee and it's actually really good. Oh my gosh. So you have a life-changing morning coughing routine. Uh, Favorite, well, and this is very, um, you know, this connects to what we're talking about today, but favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Yeah. uh, Getting outside, breathing, meditation, yoga, all those things. If I don't do them, I'm I'm not a very nice person. (laughs) (laughs) And last one, favorite home cooked meal. Ooh, I love chicken Milnays, which is just pounded breaded chicken. Then you make a little salad with arugula and tomatoes. It's one of those that's on a a pretty regular rotation at my house. Oh, that sounds good. Is that one on the app? Mm -hmm. Okay. Good to know. Um, Well, thank you so much, Jessica. I would love for you to share with people where they can find you, connect with you, how they can download the app. Absolutely. So I'm on TikTok at the Zen mommy and Instagram at the underscore Zen underscore mommy. The podcast is called mom slow down. And that's where everywhere you get podcasts. And then the app is a free download. It's on Apple and Google play. And it's also called the Zen mommy. So check it out. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been so nice talking to you. I feel like my cup has been filled up just from our conversation. Oh, I love that. Thanks for having me. Let's all take a note from Jessica and find at least five minutes a day to bring in a piece of calm to your day and have that me time. Then either choose a consistent time each day that the majority of the time no one needs you, like early in the morning or before bed, or be flexible with your me slash zen time and let it be a floater on your calendar. And when that free time pops up, plug it in. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our podcast episodes on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. 
Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Stephen. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.